You're listening to Finn Too Deep. Tua back to throw. Blitz coming. They get to him. No, he takes off running. And he's he in. It. Touchdown Miami. With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. going on ladies and gentlemen welcome in to another episode where we dive fin too deep i am your host reason joined as always by my other host um neil driscoll neil um coming off a loss where i know a lot of dolphin fans put on proud faces and said we're gonna win this game but then privately we're saying i got a bad feeling about this game and things did not go very well um, in a week where there were supposed to be some change-ups and some shifts. Jakeem Grant was traded for the same value as Stefan Gilmore to Carolina with six-round pick. And what I'm hearing, the internal discussions regarding the O-line, is Austin Jackson to left guard, Greg Little to left tackle, and keeping... Um, keeping Eichenberg at right tackle. Um, so not really that much of a shift because, you know, I don't think Jackson has the anchor or the functional strength to even play um, guard, but I digress. Um, you know, it's been a kind of tumultuous last, man, ever since the Raiders game, it's been kind of tumultuous in the Dolphins community. Um, how are you feeling? Um, how are you taking things in and, how do you see everything from your perspective of as they're unfolding four weeks into the NFL season? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we're all very disappointed losing to Indianapolis, especially looking at the amount of injuries they were entering the game with. And, you know, I, and, and, you know we have our injuries of our own. Obviously, our, our starting quarterback's not out there. But, uh, you know, after going to Foxborough, catching that win, being 1-0, to lose three in a row stings. And, and, it, and it's starting to feel – you know, just being completely honest that the season's starting to slip away from us. And, you know, like we have a really tough matchup this week. Um, you know, you know, if that doesn't go your way and you're one at four, you, you're, you know, Tua, the, the quarterback that, you know, we, we, he needs to be, he needs to be good. And he needs to show that the, he was the right pick for the Dolphins. But, you know, the, coming back to this roster at one and four with the, the coaching staff that we have right now, it's a tall task for anyone. Um, so it, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. But, you know, you, you know those old ni- 1980s and beyond, before, uh, like those old, old cartoons where you'd have the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the yeah. other. You know, so, so that's kind of how I'm approaching this week, right? So the devil on me is like, you know, this coaching staff is completely, completely lost. We saw exactly what we saw against the Raiders again this week. The offense had no rhyme, reason. It, it, I mean, it looked like I was watching a 8-10. Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor was outgaining our offense in yardage heading into the fourth quarter. And again, for the second week in a row, you know, Jacoby Brissett 
midway through the third quarter, through the fourth quarter, is flirting with like seventy six yards passing. Yeah, I mean, and and, and you rewatch that game, and you'll you'll be hard pressed to find a more horrendous, uh, you know, more horrendous quarterback play this season from any quarterback. I mean, Jacoby Brissett. Um, I, I'll be honest, I thought it was going to be a decent backup. Uh, here for the Dolphins, and he has been atrocious. And, you know, I, I think we talked about this before. Eric, as much as we know that the Dolphins coaching staff is an issue, as bad as the offensive line is, if Tua played like he did in week one, this team might be three and one right now. You know, there's no certainties with anything, but it, it, it's it's really alarming to see just the lack of an identity on offense. Like, this isn't a prediction. This is a spoiler. This team can't run. They can't run the football. I don't know what they see with Malcolm Brown and what they see with Miles Gaskin, but, you know, Miles Gaskin makes things happen. Malcolm Brown runs right into the line of scrimmage. And I want to ask down. you a question, Neil. Yeah. First of all, in regard to Gaskin, the guy's averaging 4.9 yards per carry. You only gave him two carries. You want to feature Malcolm Brown more, and I get it because he's better at pass blocker. Well, then maybe run some more 20, 21-man personnel with split backs. Have Gaskin and Brown out there so they can they, – they, you're not telling what you're doing with Gaskin. But anyways, I digress. Um, when you talk about this offense right now um, – you know, when you talk about where the coaching staff is, um, are you surprised a guy like Lemuel Jean-Pierre has his job right now? Yeah, I mean, he should never have a job in the first place. I, I think agree. Brian Flores is going to be kind of loyal here. We saw the first head roll with the Jakeem Grant trade, which, you know, that's a long time coming. I mean, you know, I know Jakeem Grant's had his splash plays in the return game. But, you know, he's hurt this football team a lot over the last couple of years. And, yeah. you know, with the, the with the talent that we have inactive on game day for the wide receiver position, it was time to make the move. And, and good for them for getting, you know, a six-round pick. Uh, you know, obviously they're probably not going to find the next Tom Brady there. But, you know, just to get the cap off the books for next year, get a draft pick and move on from the guy, get Kirk Merritt up, get Preston Williams active on game day. I mean, the receiving core is better today than it was – you know, last week, and I know that's kind of, you know, kind of crazy to say, considering that Will Fuller is going to, you know, be out for multiple weeks, and and you know, Again. what a what a disappointment. I mean, it, it's funny. I, I try to convince myself that his injury issues would go away and he'd be great here in Miami, but I mean, you couldn't have a more disappointing free agent acquisition. Should have spent it on Corey Lindsley, bro. Yeah, I mean, you you know, he's out the first game because. You know, is he contemplating retirement? Who knows? He comes in. He he's dropping balls that a good upper echelon receiver should catch. Um, you know, he, I mean, he's broke his finger digging out a throw that you know my ten year old cousin probably could have made a better throw than Jacoby Brissett on it. Yeah, but no, you know, yeah. you know, not having him in for three weeks, it, it's tough, and it and it's a bad look. And you know, I thought he was one of those guys that probably would outplay pay that te- outplay that ten million dollar contract and be a guy they might franchise tag or look to extend. But, you know, I, I think at this time, there's little doubt that he won't be back and he's not going to be a long part, part, long-term part, long part of this plan. And, you know, the Dolphins are going to have Waddle. They're going to have Lynn Bowden coming back. They're going to have Devontae Parker. But, I, I like, I think they're Parker still going to need – gone too, right? Yeah, I mean, he's got two more years mm-hmm. under contract. He has, like, a $9 million cap hit. Great value, but, um, you know, I, I think they still the, – the, they, they need somebody else. I mean, Albert Wilson's a free agent, and he's kind of disappointed a little bit this year. 
Um, but yeah, it, I mean, well, if you just, watch the all twenty-two, he was open a few times, and he was open well, on a deep dig, totally missed by Brissett, and then he was open on a nine route down the right sideline for six. Brissett missed him there too. So it's all about Jacoby it's not hard. seeing things right now, you know. Right, yeah, and it's hard to get a fair evaluation of any player when you know. So, so like, let's talk about Jalen Waddle for a second, right? First drive, three catches, thirty-five yards, whatever that was. I mean, making people miss. Looking explosive as all hell. Open all game long. We all know the one video that we saw from the Stallion view, which he would have probably taken for a 60, 70 yard touchdown. But like, I, I don't understand why there isn't someone in Jacoby Brissett's ear being like, go feed our number six overall pick who's wide open all game. Stop looking to check it down. But like, you know, I and I was kind of half joking when I said it, but I, I think this team's a better football team with. Reed Sinnott quarterbacking right now than I do with Jacoby Brissett. I mean, I said this since Brissett was in the starter. I said, you might as well go with Reed Sinnott because you and other teams don't know what they're getting with this kid. They can't prepare. Brissett, the tape's out. Everyone knows what you're getting with Brissett. They know how to shut him down. You know, he's not good when you put him in situations to make quick decisions. He throws with absolute zero anticipation. If people go watch my film breakdown of Inside the NFL that I do every Tuesday, since I do it, it's called Tua's Day because I do every drop back of Tua Tungvalua. But since he's been out, I've been looking at the offense, the offensive line, Jacoby, some defensive snaps as well with um, my partner, Marnukbai, who's a former Florida AM quarterback. And uh, my buddy, Mr. Ballgame, who I do the finish line podcast with him and Richard Webb, he's a former um, coach. And, you know, we break this all down. And I don't know, man. You see it, Jacoby, you know, people were trying to say Tua can't read a field. Tua's missing all these reads. Well, Tua's only started 11 NFL games, played in, you know, played in 10 of those starts. And then had a couple snaps against the Jets last year because he got knocked out real quick against um, the Bills. So I don't count that as a full start, but um, you know he it's he can he can miss reads. It's okay. He's young. Jacoby is missing uh, every every everything in front every of him. Read. And you know I do think it's a part and it's doing part to the offensive line because I mean I did the math earlier. Um, so right now um. As an offense, we've allowed 78 pressures. 67 of those have come from the offense, okay? Austin Jackson, uh, offensive line, 67 of the 78 are strictly on the offensive line. Austin Jackson has allowed 20 pressures in three games. As Our offensive line is averaging about 16.75 pressures allowed a game. They're on pace for 284.75 pressures allowed this year. The good thing is the sacks aren't there. You know, two evaded them when he was here. Brissett's evaded them. But people got to understand, some of the reason why these guys, Brissett included, are missing reads is because they're not trusting their protection and they're just trying to get the ball out. Like, there was a play where Gusecki was open wide open down the right sideline like the corner he was running a go route and the corner had his back to Gasecki. Gasecki had about four yards between himself and the goal line so you just throw it over his shoulder towards the goal line you're golden and the corner had his hips open to Brissett so I mean you can make the throw there but instead he flushes out he looks that direction but he takes the underneath throw the check down and what that tells me is He's not keeping his eyes up downfield. He's moving around 
and he's keeping his eyes on his looking target. for on on his on the short stuff because he just wants to dump it off and get it out. Yeah, no, like and, he doesn't feel comfortable making big throws, and it's the same reason why you know I kept saying to people last year, you know, if you go look at two at Alabama. And if you go look at the product we had in Tua Tagovailoa, even though he's at sixty percent health by the end of the year, he was bailing out of pockets a lot more instead of climbing him. And what 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 the problem is, you don't know where the leak is. Like Austin Jackson could be the leak on this play. It could come from the interior because our interior play has been leaky at times. Or it could come from the right <laughs> side with Eichenberg or Jesse Davis, the guy who blew his assignment and got Tua hurt. The thing is, if you know, if you usually know where the pressure is going to come from, like if I know, okay, Austin Jackson is the weak link, that's probably, I can play off that with my pressure. But when I don't know if it's coming from the left side, right side, or up the middle, that's a problem. Same thing, like you see it too. There was a play against the Patriots where Waddle came over the middle on a dig route and Tua wanted to make the throw. He evaded the pressure to the left, he set the throw, and then the pressure came up the middle flushed him out fully to the right. And by the time he got out there, the dig route was gobbled up by the defender. You know what I mean? Like it, when you got it in multiple places, it's hard to make Reed step up properly in the, you know, but I, in all fairness, I broke down the all 22, which Jacoby said every week. And there have been multiple times where he's gotten clean pockets, even so much. So as they've washed the defensive, all the rushers out to the right side and he just has to move to his left and he has nothing but field in front of him to reset his feet, plant and make a big throw. And he just doesn't like he, he, you know, he is not a, I, 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 you know, I watched the all 22 and my number one reaction. I said to someone was how did everyone, anyone ever think he was a starter at the NFL level? Like yeah, he yeah, just, that's fair. no anticipation, he doesn't read the field well. Um, you know, yes, he evades pressure and extends plays, but that's literally all he does. He's not, and his arm isn't like this guy does not have a bigger arm than Tua. I don't know what people were trying to narrative they were trying to push, but he does not have more zip, especially on intermediate passes, than Tua. Now, Tua puts a little arc. So he loses a little zip when he goes deep. But when you're talking about from the short to intermediate level, Tua has way more zip on his football than Jacoby Brissett. I ain't even trying to hear anything different. So, you know, I look at this, but, you know, back to Austin Jackson, I got to ask you this, Neil. You're Solomon Kinley. Okay. I want, okay. So uh, Austin Jackson, all right. He's had so far, um, 20 pressures allowed on 157 pass blocks. All right. Good Saul Lord. McKinley. Saul McKinley has 84 pass blocks. So just a just a little over half, right? Because half, yep. you know, you know, because that'd be 168 if you doubled it up, right? Yep. He only has five hurries and five pre uh, and five pressures allowed. Austin Jackson has 17 hurries and 13 hits. If you were to double that, so more snaps, 11 more snaps than Jackson even played, at his rate, he would have only 10 pressures allowed. He would have less pressures allowed than Hunt, who has 12 on 187 snaps. Eichenberg, who has 12 on 151 snaps. And Jesse Davis has 13 on 153 Sorry, 166 snaps. Um, if you're Solomon McKinley, are you feeling a way that 
Brian Flores comes out here every week and he tells us, I'm going to start the best five. I'm going to hold players accountable, et cetera, et cetera. Why is Austin Jackson not being held accountable? Because here's the thing. I've seen Greg Little play. Greg Little is actually not that... uh, Very similar to Austin Jackson in terms of where his issues are, his hands, his feet, et cetera. But you go look at what he was at Old Miss. He was a decent, decent tackle. I liked him a little bit better than Austin Jackson coming out. I mean, what do you really have to lose here? And what kind of message are you sending when... Kinley really only needs to lose weight. Like he was working with Hunt. We saw the videos in the offseason. He was putting in the work. I said to someone today, I saw more workout videos of Derval Quares NATO than I did of Austin Jackson. I don't know where Austin Jackson was working out. I didn't know who he was working with. In fact, I was told by a birdie that Austin Jackson, like Gasicki, was one of those guys who didn't take those perform sessions with Tua overly seriously um what are your what, what uh, like how is how is kinley being scapegoated when he's nowhere near the disaster austin jackson is like jackson needed to get fundamentally stronger in his in his anchor and his functional and his functional strength and that's up to the player the coaches can't can't hit the gym for you you know what i mean his feet his feet have not got better um, his footwork has not got better. His and it's not going to get better. It's not going to. I know he's he's trash, bro. He's gonna he's gonna. Yeah. Him and Noah Benogany are, are super bust, but he's the Noah Benogany of our offense. Let's be honest. So, uh, if you were Kinley, I gotta ask you, Neil. If you were Kinley, how would you feel that they keep giving this guy every chance in the world, yet they're scapegoating me? It shows how bad of an organization the Miami Dolphins are right now. The reason Austin Jackson is playing because he's the 18th overall pick. The reason Solomon Kinley is not is because he's a fourth-round pick. But they traded up for him. That's what I'd be well, saying about Kinley. I'd be like, yo, you thought well, it up straight up for me, guys. Like, Let's rewind to last year, Thursday Night Football against Jacksonville, because I, I, I remember vividly watching Solomon Kinley just dominate people. He was great. He dominated Ed Oliver when we played Buffalo early last year, too. He killed him. But, you know, it, what, what, and, and this all stems from Brian Flores' stubbornness, which is his, his, you know, his Achilles heel as a, as a coach, is he gets stubborn. Like, I don't know how after last season Solomon Kinley entered training camp as not a starter. It just doesn't make any sense to the trajectory of when you are developing talent. If he's a starting right guard for you, for you last year. I thought year, he was the best of our three last year. If you want yeah, but if he's your starting guy last year, and he's a and he was a pure rookie. Like why? Was and you got rid of flowers, year? and you're paying for flowers. And he's better to, than all of them. <laughs> you're 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 paying for flowers to play in Washington, so Kinley could have that chance. But, and but, here's the thing, too. You know, Kinley. Obviously, the coaching isn't getting through. He didn't take the weight uh, loss seriously. Him and Jackson are laughing on the sideline after yeah, Jackson's God. having a bad game. You know, we're seeing regression in Hunt's game when it should be a smoother transition kicking inside for him. Now, Dieter's been pretty good. Like, they missed out on, you know, Skura. I don't know if you saw Skura left yeah, guard next to Andrew Thomas. Yep. Massive. You got Jermaine Illuminor as one of the best starting interior linemen, uh, the only interior lineman. Um, starting interior lineman in the NFL that hasn't allowed a sack and and even a pressure, I believe it was. So you got you had these. You've shown me, okay, and this is Lemuel Jean Pierre and company because Lemuel Jean Pierre showed me when he said 
he thought Tristan Wirth would be an all-pro guard, and then you know Tristan Wirth showed him, oh, he can play tackle too. You've shown me, A, you can't evaluate prospects at the position, and B, you can't even proper evaluate veterans who are established and who the tape is out on, who you can – who you can have an even firmer evaluation of because of how long they've been in the league. You can't even properly evaluate those guys at the positions. Like this is just an absolute disaster. And again, I know everyone wants to call for Greer's head, but this falls at Brian Flores's head. The most experienced guy he's had in his three-year tenure is Patrick Flaherty, who had been coaching offensive line since 85, 86, I believe it was. He told you Dieter wasn't ready in 2019. You fired him after four training camp sessions. And in 2019, Dieter started, and along with the rest of that offensive line, was historically one of the worst offensive lines we've ever fielded, okay? And then now you got your guy, Flo. Steve Marshall was Gailey's guy last year, and I saw better play from Austin Jackson until he saw Bradley Chubb and the tape got out on him than anything you showed me on Lemieux Jean-Pierre, and I saw better play from Hunt and Kinley under Marshall than I've seen under Lemieux Jean-Pierre, and this is your guy. This was the guy you made the assistant offensive line coach and promoted, and now we're seeing the result of you surrounding yourself with a bunch of inexperienced Rookie sophomore head coaches that, like, sorry, positional coaches that are just a bunch of yes men. And I see the game that's being played. He's put himself in a position where if you got to blow this whole thing up, who are you going to fire? Who who would you fire? Who would you make the interim after you fired Flores? There's no one around him, Boyer. There's no one around him. I see what you did. You ran Caldwell out of town. And now you got no one around you that challenges you in the room and challenges your position as the alpha coach. I see what's, I see how this has all been positioned. This guy's out here thinking he can build coaching trees after a 10 win season when Belichick, until he won a couple Super Bowls, was still leaning on veterans on his coaching staff. And then he started building his coaching tree. Like, yeah. I don't know whether it's all ego, all pride here, what's going on, but we got, we don't even have anyone Flores can lean on. Like, yeah. you know, you got the defensive side of the football guy, but who can anyone on the offensive lean on? They can't lean on Lemuel Jean-Pierre. He's still learning. He's a rookie head coach. He's learning like the sophomores and Dieter, who's basically a rookie at center, even though he's in his third year, and Eichenberg, who's a rookie. You got a rookie head coach leading all that. They're all learning on the fly. Who are they leading on? Jesse Davis? Because, you know, Flores, as much as he wants people to believe he's an offensive coordinator too, he's not exactly a brilliant offensive mind. Like, you heard what Staley said for the Chargers this week, and I'm sitting there green with envy. I'm like, not only did they get Herbert the offensive line, not only did they have better weapons than Keenan Allen and Mike Williams than anything we're fielding or utilizing right now, but and Eckler had that in there too. But you know, you you look at this, they got the coach right too, and they got they built the offensive line for this kid. And I'm like, we're over here just swinging a miss, swinging a miss, swinging a miss. And you know, I, I really I gotta ask you this too. Is it a blessing in disguise that Tua got hurt and now this coaching staff, the carousel at coordinators, the carousel at offensive line coach? John Grizzard allowing these coordinators to allow 
Waddle to average more yards of separation per route than his average depth of target. He should be fired too for allowing that. He doesn't. Uh, they don't even know how to use Jalen Waddle. I can't expect him to learn how to use Tua Tagovailoa. But you know, like where when you look at this offense, Neil, like what what can you say about it? Well, I'll say this: the the coaching and the offensive line is not going to get any better this year. We're going to be battling this all year. It is what it is. It's not going to get better. And at this point with the Austin Jackson thing, like we know he can't play left tackle. I doubt he can play left guard, but I want to see it because that's the only opportunity we have to salvage him from being one of the worst busts in the franchise history. Yeah, I mean, and we could have named 50 players that we should have taken over Austin Jackson that draft. And, you know, and no like monogamy, but that's I mean, yeah, you're looking at a historic draft, but no, that I don't think it's a blessing disguise that Tua got hurt because I think when he comes back against Jacksonville, he's gonna have to become a we superstar. Had, but oh yeah, but I'm saying over the course of the season, he's gonna have to become a superstar and lead this team. Yeah, but I ask if it's a blessing in disguise because haven't you noticed in the last two weeks the narrative's totally gone off Tua and everyone's like, oh my God, Tua isn't the problem here. When we've been telling people the whole time, it's the offensive line and the coaching, prepare yourself. Well, maybe from that perspective, but at the end of the day, if this team doesn't get in the playoffs, I don't think Tua's their quarterback next year. And I don't think Chris Greer's here. I think that they're going to be the scapegoats. I think Flores Flores is going to be the guy who gets on thin ice, but is probably bought back. Do you really think they're going to... Okay, let me ask you this. Unless you're promoting Reggie McKenzie or Marvin Allen, you really think they're going to bring in a new general manager and he's going to want to keep Flores around? I, I, I mean, here's... Haven't the Dolphins... Because th- if you that? fire you're- Greer, you need to clean out the scouting department. The scouting department needs to be cleaned out. Everything needs to be cleaned out. No soft reboot where you promote someone within. We need new drafting philosophies and fundamentals. The power move is to clean everyone, including the coaching staff, back the Brinks truck up to Ozzie Newsome and yeah, say, but they don't do what that. do you need, They bro? won't do that. They haven't done that in 20 years. I mean, they've kept deadbeat coach after deadbeat coach, Cam Cameron, Joe Philbin. They've kept scouts. Greer's part of, been part of the organization. They're, they're not. You know, hey, I, I don't Gates got fired in- after three years, and he made the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, like, no, I, I like, I, I, I hope that we see Tua come back and lead this team. But you know, with the coaching the way it is, yeah, unfortunately, I, I think it's going to be hard for Tua to reach his potential here. I think we've already failed him. We talked about that over the last couple of weeks. So you know, I mean, for Dolphin fans, the best story that could be ever told, the happy ending would be. Tua gets on a tear, wins eight or nine of these games, and the Dolphins are a playoff team. The reality and likelihood is that this is going to be a 500 team at best. And, and the crazy thing is, if he does that, Neil, all he's doing is masking the issues at hand and saving everyone's ass. That's all. Yeah, he's doing. Well, look, look, you know, we got a really tough game this week coming up. But yeah, I mean, look, they, the offense doesn't have an identity. I, I, I don't think. The problems on the Miami Dolphins are a talent problem, and that's not saying that we don't have a horrendous offensive line. We need a, a line. We need some linebackers. I, there's holes on this football team, but when you look oh, at their sure. roster from one to fifty-three, it's a strong roster. This is a co- yeah. poorly coached team that doesn't have direction, and yeah. it seems like the players are already starting to quit. But l- let's focus on a couple cool. good things real quick because I, I do. I don't want to make. You know, everything we do, just a bash, because there are some things that I noticed on the defensive side of the ball in rewatching this game. And the first Jalen Phillips, baby. Oh, my God. Did he? I mean, 
Eric Fisher, right? Like, you know, obviously he probably should never have been a number one overall pick. Jalen Phillips dominated him. And and I know that like the cat the, the average football fan is gonna look at NFL.com and see that he only had a half a stat, a sack, and, and say, Oh, well, what what are you guys really why are you guys pumping this guy up? The amount of pressures he was causing, but like take all of the stats out of it, the pressures, the sacks. Watch that dude's power to speed transfer. Watch his burst. Watch how he was, you know, and, and he should have had another sack, by the way. That was a, a another bullshit call by the officials on the face mask, which was nowhere near it. But Jalen Phillips is flashing superstar potential before our eyes because he was used correctly. Finally, the coaches finally, finally put him in a position to succeed. Yeah. And then another guy who gets a huge kudos for me. And, you know, he's a he's a good football player, but he's not flashy. Right. But Christian Wilkins has been awesome this year. He has become one number of the two most... in interior defensive lineman for I, one stops only behind I mean, Jason is... Hargrave. He has fourteen. Yeah, I mean he is playing sensational football. Need now, to be better pass rusher though. That's what's sure. That's where the step needed to happen for to justify where he's picked in the first and with the guys who went behind him. Like you know, I don't got to get into names like Brian Burns and stuff, but for the guys that went behind him. You need more from the pass rush perspective sure. right now from him. Like I like I am realizing, especially against the run, how much this defense misses Raekwon Davis. Well, right that now. and I was just gonna say that. Thank I mean, this guy is a machine. He tried to come back when he got injured in that football game. It looks like there's a chance he's gonna play Sunday. And I oh, think God. he's got potential to be one of the best defensive linemen in football. Yeah, I Chris really Jones. Do. He's he's a Chris he, Jones clone from Kansas City. And then last but not least. Because I think it's very important that the wallet is brought out and a contract is offered to Emmanuel Agba before yep. it's too late. Because this guy is playing sensational. Football. Number eight in pressures from the from edge players and uh, defensive ends. And if this team, whether it's Chris Greer or not, or if this team succeeds or not, having two younger Pass rushers, the Phillips Agba tandem. Dude, don't they look awesome? Like on opposite uh, that's, sides. That is like awesome. the tackles collapse. If you get the interior of that right, like you're really with that with, secondary. Yeah. And you know, you know, I've been disappointed in Adam Butler. He's contributed well. Um, and, and John and Jack Siler. No, John Jenkins has been all right to me. Well, 49 um, snaps, snaps was a lot for him. I thought in that like, football you know, game, Siler missed that. Siler missed that. Sack and Wentz evaded him like Car oh, um, like uh, you know old Carson Wentz, vintage Carson Wentz, and si and then he made that throw into the red zone and Siler like smashed the ground after like Siler's been pretty good too. Like I was really shocked. I'm like, man, even Siler's making mistakes right now. Well, and and, and even Xavier Howard is right. Like Xavier Howard has looked pretty ordinary to me um, this season after that first game. And Javon Holland and, and Byron Jones have looked like our best secondary players. Yeah, and, and like, look, that's the the beauty of having Byron Jones. I really believe is that you know I like Xavier Howard. I think he's the best corner in football. I don't hold punches. I still think the Dolphins and him are are heading to a divorce after this season, and. If that happens, right, that's a huge trade chip if, if they didn't get a new quarterback by then. And I think that you can – I mean, Nick Needham's a restricted free agent. I, I don't know what this guy has to do to get a new co contract here, but Nick Needham has been brilliant. I mean, when, I mean, versus Justin Coleman, it shouldn't even be a topic of conversation. So, like, honestly, the defense is probably 
going to get better as this season gets along. They're going to get healthier. Um, you know, Landon Roberts is a fun football player. I love how he missiles to the football, but he's a very limited player in terms of some of the other things he can do. Jerome Baker continues to be the worst player on the starting defense. I mean, and I yeah. know I, I'll I remember get- black I got I got for not liking the contract on Twitter and all the people that came from me, bro. Yeah, I do. But like, you know, one thing I'll say is like, I don't even understand because he's never been a good, like, you know, obviously box linebacker, but they're not even like giving him blitzes. Like they're not even letting him utilize his strengths after paying him, which just makes absolutely no sense to me. So, I mean, but the defense is going to get better as the season gets along. You know, a lot of people are saying that they've been disappointing this year, but they have had their backs against the wall because of the, 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 the offense just putting them in horrendous situation after horrendous situation. Like this defense is tired because the offense goes three and out just like, punt 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 and they're back on the field so like honestly like when you look at the whole everything as a whole and on the talent on the miami dolphins they got to fix this offensive line in the offseason right they need to go find a linebacker you know who, who's going to be their every down linebacker that has some versatility but uh, more than importantly can stop the run they need to get raekwon davis healthy um but you know they have the talent to be the team that we all thought they would be my biggest fear is that they don't have the coaching staff to elevate that talent to be the team we want them to be. And so far we're, we're seeing that. And, and, you know, my opinion has changed on a lot of things. Miami Dolphins, the coaching staff, like I, it's a big problem. You know, I, I think I picked 11 and six and the playoffs for the Dolphins. I don't see them winning 11 games and I don't see the playoffs and I hope I'm wrong. But, like, there's just it's an interesting situation just because the wheels have fallen off so fast and the team needs a win so bad. And, you know, Tua's injury, like, just has put them in a position where you're not going to win football games with Jacoby Brissett. We we talked maybe they could win one or two of these three games. You know, we'll get to our picks on the Tampa game. They're going to be 0-3 with Jacoby Brissett at the helm. Now, good news, good news is that Tua looks ready to come back out back against Jacksonville. That's a game where he should feast. He should have a big game. He should, you know, make his return. And I, I want him to have one of those games where he throws 300 yards, three or four touchdowns. Tua needs to start piling up some of those. And we need to start seeing that superstar potential. All the other stuff won't go away. The Deshaun Watson, the Justin Herbert, all the talks that are on Twitter, right? They won't go away until Tua shows that superstar quality. He has it in him. He has some. He definitely has some challenges in Miami with the offensive line. But like, I, I'll tell you what, it kind of sucks to admit this. I'm kind of overlooking this Tampa Bay game because I'm not excited about it because I think it's a horrendous yeah, matchup. Yeah, just want to get but to Jacksonville. I can't wait for nine thirty yeah. and two Sundays. Let me ask you though, though, like about this Buck game. Sure. You mentioned it earlier. You alluded to it with quitting. If they get blown out and you don't see much dog in this fight, should Dolphin fans be worried that? Brian Flores is losing the locker room. I think I saw that in the fourth quarter against Indianapolis. If I'm being honest, I, I think the team started to show that they kind of didn't believe what's going on. I, I think more and more is going to start coming out and leaking about some of that discontent. I, I do think that, that there's, I mean, look, going, we'll start the season one and four, especially when you start the season with a win on the road against your, your division rival, who's been, you know, the best franchise in sports for the last few decades. You know, and then the wheels just fall off. But it's just not the record, right? 
It's how they're losing. Like if you, my, you know, me, you, everyone on Twitter, all the national media and the talking heads that are on TV, notice what's wrong with the Miami Dolphins. You got to know that the players do as well, and they're talking behind the scenes. Like, 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 look at look at you know what player we haven't mentioned, and I'm just going to rewind kind of back to the Colts game is Devontae Parker and his performance last week, which was. I know he had those big splash catches, right? But he dropped a lot of, you know, easy receptions as well. But to me, it looked like he was playing mad because he's like, just give me a damn chance, right? Like Mike Gusecki coming on in the fourth quarter. Like, I think the offense has already lost faith in this coaching staff because they know they have talent. They've seen it all offseason. They've all worked together. They've all were, they were gelling together, and now, like when it comes to game day, you know, it, it just seems predictable, you know. And we've gotten off the hot starts, and then just slowly faded, and that's a sign that the coaches there's something that's missing there. So yeah, I, I think I think that's a serious problem, and you know, Stephen Ross has been very loyal, and I hope that whatever happens this season. That Stephen Ross just makes the right moves, right? Like, and if that's firing Brian Flores and Chris Greer, I, I you know, we got to see how the season plays out. There's a lot, a lot of wood to chop here, right? But with that said, like, don't don't be loyal to a fault where next season's already in question because the same things are going to happen, right? Like, we need there's changes needed, and we all know that, and. I, you know, like, I like Stephen Ross as an owner. I got to be honest. Like, even though the team hasn't been successful, it's not his, It's not for his lack of trying, right? Like, he's thrown money, millions and millions of stadiums, players, guaranteed contracts. He's just followed the advice of the wrong people. But he's, yeah, he's followed the, the advice only, of the wrong And then people. the only good piece of advice Tannebaum ever gave was he had already left the organization when he said he would take Herbert. Yeah. And look, you know, in that conversation, you know, is one that's going to always be around. And you know, here's the thing, is man, I, they're, they're we, in this world, both Herbert and Tua both can be good, and so can Burrow. Oh, you wouldn't be Herbert would not be, or Burrow would not be with the well, I, Burrow. I don't, I think Tua is better. Already shown he's better than Herbert. Uh, sorry, I think Tua has already shown he's better than Burrow. But Herbert wouldn't be what he is right now if he was in Miami. Neither, neither one of those guys would be. They would be uh, having problems developing in Miami. I truly believe that, and I I don't even doubt that for a single solitary second. I mean, we've talked about how they've failed Tua. What's to make you think they wouldn't have failed Herbert or Burrow? I mean, go look at the moves that Herbert and got made for him by the Chargers this off season. I mean, they went out. And they drafted a lot. Uh, they drafted Rashawn Slater when he fell to them. We had Panade. What a player, huh? We what passed. a player. You <laughs> know, they went out and they spent the money that I wanted us to spend on Corey Lindsley. We spent that money instead on Will Fuller. And how's that working out? So you look at, you know, year one, Pep, you know, Herbert was learning under the tutelage of a guy like Pep Hamilton. You know what I mean? We have not brought in anyone near a Pep Hamilton status since. Flores has been here, let alone since two has been here in the three years. I just don't think, I mean, look at the move, even 
with Riley Reef and the draft moves they made on the interior, the Bengals had done a better job at getting their offensive line right than we have. Oh, yeah. And both those teams, the Bengals and the Chargers, have put their young quarterbacks yeah, in position season, to succeed. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, and, and that's what you're supposed to do. And, and I'll just say this, too, because like I, I do want to give some credit to Chris Greer and them. They did try and spend high resources on draft picks, right? Like Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson. The problem is that they just did such a poor job of evaluating the talent that like it had no chance of actually working. Yeah. Um, so you know, we're heading into this game against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is the number one rushing defense in the NFL, allowing 47 and a half yards per game. We're the 28th run in the NFL, averaging 78.3 yards offensively. Um, you know, Tampa Bay's offense averaging 411 yards per game, ninth best. They're averaging 327 and a half yards um, passing, which is first best. They're averaging 30.5 points per game, which is fifth best. The Dolphins are only averaging 15.5 points per game, which is 31st best. And here's a big key thing. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are eighth in the NFL at converting third downs, con- converting at a clip of 43.6. Well, the Dolphins' defense, the same defense that was the first in the NFL on third down percentage last year, they're 31st in the NFL right now, allowing 54.2% conversion rate. Um, Tom Brady has already thrown for over 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. Um uh, you know, Ronald Jones isn't exactly letting it up. Um, we know Needham's got to be at the top of his game if he's going to be in the slot against Antonio Brown. Byron Jones is back, so him and X can take good care of Godwin and um, and uh, Mike Evans. Um, no Gronk this week, so that means Antonio Brown will getting be getting more of Gronk snaps. That's my concern the right there. There's yeah. my concern. Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, what, what, what do you, what do you think, uh, what do you think about this matchup heading in and where do you see it going score wise? Yeah. I, I, when you're a one to three team and you need to win having the uh, reigning Super Bowl champs with Tom Brady, uh, going on the road to face them isn't ideal. Right. But I do think that from a defensive standpoint, we actually match up with them. Okay. Right. Like Xavier Howard, Mike Evans, Godwin, Byron Jones. And I know Jones practiced today and I hope he kind of continue continues on that trajectory to play on Sunday. And, you know, you do have Needham against Antonio Brown, and, and this isn't a knock on Nick Needham, but, you know, Antonio Brown is starting to look like that player that he once was, and, yeah. you know, th- that's a scary development. Now, not having Gronk is, is a good thing. Um, unfortunately, it's one of those things that I could see finally O.J. Howard making a couple big plays know, against right? us because, like, great. Cameron Bray, but like here's the the, the prediction for me. It's going to be 38 to 13 bucks, and Ooh. you know, so I, I'm talking like this gets to be close. But what I what I can't do is ignore the the of the offense. I I don't think the offense. I, I like I think Devin White and Levante David, and yeah. you know uh, Joe Vita Tryon Vea. and Vita Vea. I I think that if we thought that Jacoby Brissett was panicked and scared against Indianapolis. I mean, he's going to turn the ball over. I mean, I know their secondary is depleted. Um, you know, you Shaq you know, Barrett's you top it, ten in in pressures right now. Is Sue playing or is? Yeah, I think Sue is playing. 
And yeah, you're yeah, right. The secondary I mean, is beat up. Winfield's out. Their secondary is beat up right now. So here's my. So here's what I would like to see though. Like and and like you know I don't want it to be doom and gloom. Why don't they just attack the game plan for how they play the last two four four quarters and just say you know what fuck it our running game is good tempo. we know it's not going to be good let's just play up tempo the whole game let's let's be you know risky I'd rather see Jacoby I've been saying this since last five. year when Tua almost brought us back against Kansas City up up an uh, up tempo and they asked Gailey after the game did you know Tua could run the up tempo like that he said no and then the next week the following week Gailey was telling people oh I don't like that up tempo nonsense blah 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 and then you saw our scoring drives against New England were all up tempo we were catching them sub and stuff like that so this offense can move up tempo it's just that's not sustainable for four quarters but if you can get up tempo for a quarter and a half gain a lead and then let the defense go to work that's probably the best way yeah i would love i would love to see this team just have some fight in them reason to be honest like i i want to see them i want to see them fight back well i got them getting shellac like you do so well what what do you have i got 37 17 so yeah, again, we're not far off again. And you know, I, it's the old Mike Tyson, right? Everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face. The Dolphins' plan wasn't to be one and three, but no. let's see how they fight, man. Because I, I, I care about this team more than just this season. I care about them beyond this season. Yeah. And, and and if it doesn't go the way we wanted to, because I do think for a lot of people on on this team and in this staff. It's playoffs or bust. I really do. If Steven Ross is in year three of this rebuild and doesn't get the results that he wants, I do think that he's going to come with an iron fist and, and, and change is going to happen. But I want to see Jerome Baker fight. He just got that big contract. I want to see Mike Gusecki and Emmanuel Agba continue to play. Gusecki was getting open. Yeah, no, that's what I, I want to see. it, and, and that's what, like, I want to see Jalen Waddle continue to progress because I don't want him to get flustered and be upset that he's a Miami Dolphin because, you know, we have bad yeah. quarterback play that can't get the ball. Like, that that's something I start to worry about with this franchise where mm. before I did it, I want to see Jalen Phillips continue to build off of what he's done. I want to see Raekwon yeah. Davis come back and just start kicking ass like I we do. all know he can. Javon Holland. Like last week, he was so close to on a couple balls to get interceptions. I, I want to start seeing him bring some of those in. Um, you know, so like, like, look, the Dolphins are going to win some games this year, though. I, I know, you know, a lot of our podcast the last few weeks has been negative, and that's just us telling what we see and the truth here. But they have a nice schedule with Jacksonville, Houston, the Jets twice. They have one of the Atlanta. easiest remaining, they have the second easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. Yeah. The I second mean, or first, them and Buffalo have the easiest schedules remaining right now. Yeah, they're going to have to, like, you know, I mean, Baltimore and Buffalo are going to be really, really tough games for the Dolphins. You know, uh, there's no doubt about it for me. But, like, I mean, they're going to have to pull a couple wins out that that they they likely weren't supposed to do. But, you know, like, let's see what happens. Let's see how it plays out. Like, you know, I'm not all doom and gloom yet. I'm frustrated like many of you. I got to wait till Tua gets back because I really think Tua can rifle off eight or nine wins out of the last 12 when I look at the schedule. So I'm I'm holding judgment until Tua comes back. Yeah, and I, and I think that's really important too because I think, again, we, we touched on this earlier, but that Jacksonville game is such a perfect and opportunity. Bro, give them this offense you saw this weekend. Notice how they washed the RPO stuff out and they became more of a progression-based offense and we were blocking better other than Jackson and Eichenberg at times. That's what you need to give Tua. Yeah, so, that, and, and, that's so, so 
to wrap it up, let's let's talk about one thing real quick as we bring this home. So what do you think the offensive line is going to look like when Tua plays in Jacksonville? What should it look like or what do I think it'll look like? What what do you think? Cuz I well, you know, give me both and and like, what it should look what like. Okay, what it should look like is this. Um and we're going to assume Dieter isn't healthy, right? Yeah, he's going to be out for okay. a while. So, what it should look like is um obviously Mance at center. Um I don't think Kinley was I think Kinley had some brain farts, but I don't think he was as bad as people made him out to be. But I actually liked what I saw from Jesse Davis at left guard. Um, yeah, he's played all right, right? Like he's done yeah, like, like, uh, like Jesse Davis has done all right there. I'd have Jesse Davis at left guard, I guess. Um and then at left tackle, I would see what I have with Greg Little. Um, or, I mean, the real power move is um, Mance at center, Robert Jones or Kinley at left guard, um, Eichenberg at left tackle, then at right guard, Hunt, and then at right tackle, you put Jesse Davis back there. Or yeah. Yeah, you put Jesse true. Davis at right guard, and kick Hunt back out to right tackle. But so, I don't think they're going to touch Hunt. I think they want to keep him developing at right guard. But, I mean, what do I think it's going to be? I think it's going to be Little at left tackle, Jackson giving chance at left guard, Mance at center, Hunt at right guard, and Eichenberg at right tackle. So you so you think Jesse Davis is going to get pushed to the bench? Yes, I do because I think whatever he's nursing, they're going to try and let him heal. And where does he get? What are you going to push him back to right tackle when Tua comes back? If Jackson's no. at left guard, you can't afford to do that. You got to give it to Eichenberg. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, I'm pretty nervous about any of the shakeups and the route I'd probably go. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm torn between Eichenberg and Little at left tackle. So you know. I, I'd probably put Eichenberg just because I'd like to see him get the opportunity to take the position. I, I'd actually put Austin Jackson at left guard, call me crazy, just because I want to see, and, and it's a very short leash, but I want to see if he can be that player because th- that's the only that's the only reason. I, I think any other guard would be better. I mean, I'm with you on center man should be the center, and then I actually think that I I think I'd say look Robert Hunt. Sorry to do this to you, but we're kicking you back out at right tackle because you played pretty good there last year, and I want to see a little bit more. And you know what? You're probably going to move back to right guard. Sorry for the musical chairs. And then, I, you know, I'm probably at right guard. Uh, I, I'm probably going to go Solomon Kinley and then have Jesse Davis on, on call just in case either of the guards don't play well. Like I'd throw him into the mix, so we'll see what happens. Um, you know, got I. I you you know, wish Dieter was coming to... back, because then you could really, you could put Jesse Davis at left tackle where he was actually pretty decent at last year. You could put him at left tackle. You could put Dieter at left guard, Mance at center, Hunt at right guard, and Eichenberg at right tackle because Dieter looks. You remember him last year when he came in for a little bit at guard, he was moving people, so. I mean, you could do that, but the problem is, Dieter. He's not. Doesn't look like he's going to be coming back, yeah. right? I don't know if he comes back this season. It sounds like it could be pretty severe. I, I haven't got a lot of details on it, but that's that's a shame because Dieter was playing better than anyone on the offensive line, and, and it was. It seemed like he was starting to solidify himself as the center of the future. But I, I know, and, and we're, this is, we're not going to go to draft too early in the season. 
But I, I got my eyes on some of the guys you do as well. I think there's three interior offensive linemen. I would trade the whole draft. Okay, well, three players. But, okay, I would trade the whole draft to make sure I could come out with Kevon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, and um, Tyler Linderbaum. But I would trade basically the whole draft if you could guarantee me Evan Neal and Tyler Linderbaum as well. And then in the offseason, I would go out and I would – I would move. I think Evan Neal could actually shift to right tackle. I think he's athletic enough, and he's played right tackle too before he got shifted to left tackle to take Alex Leatherwood. So I think it's an easier transition for Evan Neal to move to right tackle, obviously. So I'd move him to right tackle. I'd sign Taron Armstead. Tyler Lindebaum would be my starter, I uh, starting center. I'd keep Hunt at right guard, and I would go sign a – um, veteran left guard as well. So the left well, guard and left tackle would be vets. My center would be a rookie. My right guard would be a third year player, and my right tackle would be um, a rookie. But I, Evan Neal, unlike Eichenberg or Panay Suell, actually has right tackle reps in the SEC. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for us to get Evan Neal because I actually think that like if Jackson ends up with the number one overall pick, that I think that's their. Pick. Oh, that's who they're taking. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I think – but, like, I'll tell you, I'm with you on Linderbaum. I, I think, you know, it's always kind of a That's boring the pick. San Francisco pick that you make. You make that. Yeah, that Don't even let him get to the second. Well, there's another guy that I have on my radar, and he's my and, – and I've started doing draft boards, and I got my 50 top, and my number 10 overall player, and I probably want to be one of the few that have this guy this high. But NC State offensive lineman, Ikem Ekwanu. He, he, I know. Um, I saw Reed talking about him. Reed was loving Yeah, Jordan Reed, and, and it's funny, uh, you know – I had the same exact. I haven't comparison. watched him yet. Oh, he, he reminds me so much of Kaleci Assemble in Baltimore when he was the ass kicking mm. left guard that came out of Iowa State, right? Like, he's a strong, powerful player. He moves the line of scrimmage. Like, I think you got to have him, Linderbaum, and Kenyon Green as three guys on your radar Texas with that 40. With that, yeah, with that 49ers pick, get an elite interior offense alignment with that pick, get Taron Armstrong. And, and you know what? Another guy that, like, if Armstead doesn't come to fruition. Maybe the Saints find a way to salary cap him. You know, I, I know there's a jury that's out on him, but a young guy who's played pretty well this year has been Cam Robinson in Jacksonville. So, I mean, you, you know, I don't think he'll cost as much as Armstead, but, like, see, I'm already doing what we shouldn't do, right? We should go out and move the brakes truck to get Darren Armstead. But, no, like, I, I, I think we are getting closer to that time where, and this isn't, just because of the Dolphins play, but you know, we're getting into the NFL draft season now, right? Like yeah. we're starting to see you know the, the board shake out. So I, I think see, I wanted to ask you this before we get out of here. Do you think even with a new GM and coach, Tua would get another year because of how underwhelmed a lot of people are by this uh quarterback draft class? I mean, I'm gonna stick to what I said last week, and this isn't my decision, this is what I think's gonna happen. I, I still, and it's been a quiet week on the front, and you know we know all the rumors that exist. I think Stephen Ross, if this team doesn't win, I think he didn't gonna... get good news from Goodell. I think it would have happened because they were together all weekend for the, for the Shula thing. I don't think he got good news. Yeah, and and maybe that I I don't know, and it's been quiet, I haven't checked you know, into I... it. That's just an assumption. But I, I see. I think that. I don't know the answers to your question, but I would say that I would lean to the the side that I think Stephen Ross would try to make a splash, and you know it doesn't have to be looking for reported, right? You saw what looking for reported tonight, right? No, I did not. That um, 
industry insiders and executives are believing that the Saints might might emerge as a front runner for Deshaun Watson. Well, I'll tell and you what, what that tells me is they're going to let Armstead walk, kick Ramcheck back to left tackle where he played in college, and then they'll probably tr- they'll probably trade a Cameron Jordan in the package because if you remember when they were talking about players, from what we understand, they want defensive players because the names that kept popping up are Xavier Howard, and Christian Wilkins. So yeah, Christian they could, Wilkins. They, yeah. yeah, they could turn around and they could offer Cam Jordan for cap alleviation, um, and then. You know, and then they they offer a bunch of draft picks, so it'll be interesting to see how it works out. It will be, and and like, look, you know, I don't think any of us know how it's going to pan out with Tua for the rest of the year. I know we're all hopeful, and we hope to see what we 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 want, but you know, the reality is, if he does come back and he and he does play, you know, his play struggles, and he can't overcome the issues that are in front of him. You know, like I'll be completely honest, I'm Tua's biggest fan, but if he doesn't end this season on a strong note, I actually believe that it might be time to start investigating finding a superstar at the position because I, I, I get, I get to a point where, you know, what's the window of this football team when the best players are Xavier Howard. Who's yeah. But you want to win with those guys and the defense you're building on a cheap quarterback deal. When you got to pay that guy $40 million, you know, think of if you clear, if you clear up a certain amount of guys this off season, you could actually have around $110 million. Oh yeah, free agency, I, and you 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 trade for Watson. You're knocking forty off the top of that. Yeah, uh, you, you definitely are. So it's going to be now really, if two I mean, approves, look, he can now think of what you can do with all that money if two approves on the guy. Well, there's no point for me to trade two it for anyone because the second I could round buy him an offensive line, bro. I could buy him. Yeah, one. I think even if you got a Rogers or a Watson, right? Let's just use those as the names that everyone's talking about. Brother, I could no buy him an offensive line and Devonte Adams this offseason. Yeah, I, I I'm with you, and I, and that cap is. But that's the thing. Here's the one thing that's you got to be optimistic as a Dolphins fan, and, and we know we worry about getting them right. But when you look at the, the the draft capital this team has over the next two years in the cap space, again, it's like it's pretty amazing that they're in such a good position again. And then, yeah, like, you know, the thing is, the catch twenty two, no one's talking about. All these people that want Watson or whatever are the same people yelling fire Greer and not Flores. But you fire Greer, you think that new guy's coming in and trading for Watson, or do you think he wants to use that capital over the next two years? We'll, he, ain't we'll trade, he ain't trading for Watson, bud. He's coming in, and they're building this team. He's going to find his coach. And then if Tua ain't the guy that after their evaluation, whether that's just based off the tape or they give him a year, then they're going to want to go because Tua can actually buy them more shelf life to get things stabilized because that's not their guy that attached to the hip. Flores and Greer, whether Flores wanted Herbert or not, have attached themselves to Tua's hip. And I don't mean that in a funny way by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> They've attached him to his hip. He goes down, they go down. Well, with a new GM, Tua, because he's not your guy, you could buy a year or two by giving him a chance, and then you go get your guy. And, I mean, that's what people are – people aren't talking enough about this that, you know, it, it, it might end up where Tua outlasts these guys just because – this draft class isn't that great. And if you don't get Watson by the deadline, he could be, be indicted and put on the exempt list. Or when you hit the off season, 
more potential suitors that he would be interested in instead of sitting around on his hands could emerge that intrigue him, and now you're in a bidding war. And yeah, well, a new GM, like I said, a new GM if they're brought in, they're not going to take – no one's – yo, you know this. No experienced guy you can trust is going to take the job on the mandate. You have to trade for Deshaun Watson. And they're going to want to use those three first-round picks over the next two years to start putting their thumbprint on the roster. Do you, here's a question for you, man, that I, I always wondered. Do you remember uh, uh, many years back when Marino got put in that figurehead position and then a few days later he declined? Do you yeah. think could, – could you ever envision – because Stephen Ross, I, I think Dan Marino is one of the people that he trusts most. Could you ever envision a situation where he's like the John Elway in Denver here in Miami? I don't think Marino wants it. Yeah, I, I don't know if he does either, but I, I'd be interested to see that because and like because he wanted know, Herbert. From everything I've understand, Marino wanted yeah, and Herbert. I, and, I, and I was just gonna say that, like, you know, like it's interesting to see how that would play out. I would love it to be honest, personally. If it, even like just because it's Dan Marino back in the helm at the Miami Dolphins, like I, I'd be all for it. I love the guy. We got to um, We got We got to go out there and find an actual legitimate. Like that's why I love Ed Dodds from Indianapolis, the assistant GM. He's considered one of the better scouting executives. Um, he He's the one who scouted and made yeah, yeah, the call yeah. for Quentin Nelson. Um, you know, we got to get a guy like that or, like I said, back the Brinks truck up to Ozzie Newsome and say, what do you yeah, need I'll, to take I'll, over? I'll tell you this. I, I did some digging for us here in Baltimore on the Ozzie Newsome thing, and I can tell you it ain't going to happen. Yeah, he's not He's not coming out of retirement, eh? He just has he has just has have no interest. He has no interest in doing so. It seemed like he had a a pretty heavy convincing from Steve Bashotti here in Baltimore to stay on a little longer. He still helps with the team. He's close with Eric DaCosta. Uh it's not happening for the Dolphins. I, I, I'm with you. I like Steven Ross is the kind of guy that could open up the checkbook, but I don't think Ozzie Newsom needs the money right now. And I think you think Ross goes after Harbaugh if he, if they get rid of Flores? Uh which one? Michigan Harbaugh? Yeah, mm, I don't know. Oh, well, I honestly... you remember, you remember Ravens Harbaugh. We tried to remember we were there was talks about us trying to buy out his contract with the Ravens when he wasn't signing that ex- when he hadn't signed the extension yet. Do you remember that? Oh During yeah, Lamar the, Jackson. The talks? Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson saved John Harbaugh in Baltimore. I really truly yeah. believe that. I think yeah. he was heading for a divorce, and then the Ravens had that season with Lamar when Lamar was the MVP, and that and look, I like. John Harbaugh is the guy that I would want. <laughs> you know, I would take either Harbaugh to be honest, but John Harbaugh is a good coach and, you know, you know, he he's stubborn too and he's chased big name talents. I mean, you know, he was responsible for Ed Reed leaving in Baltimore and, and things like that, right? So, you know, I, some of these coaches are stubborn, I, but he's a good damn football coach. He deals with a lot of talent. Um, you know, they're just they're they're an ideal front office, though. We're so far away from something like that, man. Like, we just need to figure out what we're gonna do. What our identity 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 is a franchise. I, let me ask you this before we get out of here, because man, this is what happens when you get two good football minds talking football. <laughs> um. I, I pose this, and I'm going to pose this to you. I posed this on Finside the NFL earlier this week. How can you expect us to establish an identity when we're trying to steal someone else's in the sense of stop with this Patriots 2.0. You will never replicate what the Patriots did. I'm sorry. They were a dynasty. Did those happen once in a lifetime? 
Patricia failed doing it. McDaniels, when he went on his own field, doing it. Sorry, Flores, you're not the same. Get your mindset. Stand on your own two feet. The reason why we will never have an identity is because you're trying to be too much like what is in New England. And the problem with that is, at best, you can just be a ripoff. You you know, the people who look at the McVeighs, the Shanahans, all these guys who create their own identity and stand on their own Harbaugh, all these guys who create their own identity, stand on their own two feet, even Bruce Arians. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. This is how can you expect us to find our own identity when we're trying to be like someone else? You know what? I think the biggest failure the Miami Dolphins has been in the last three years with this new rebuild. The no, fact that they have ignored, nay, he's up there. But the fact that they have no, have ignored having a strong running game and thinking well, that they can oh just. Oh my god, you make such a good point, and we're almost or we're almost at an hour and five minutes, bro. And I know some people have said we yeah, go we a little can... long sometimes. My thing with that is though, bro. Did you see? You see how Javante Williams was running, and you see how we were using Malcolm Brown. Now they've gone to this progression read offense away from the RPO, and it's screaming. We need a three down back that can run, catch, and block. And because they've ignored it, that's biting them in the ass now, too. Yeah, and and you can see that these defensive coordinators are smart, right? So they know that we can't run the football, so they can pressure. That's why the offensive line is a train wreck when it comes to blocking uh, for you know pass protection because they're always on their heels because the defense knows what's coming. They have no respect yeah, yeah. for the running game. You Third know, longs. Yeah, I mean you don't yeah. you don't go for it at your own thirty yard line in the first half if you respect the team you're playing. And the Colts did that, right? Like you know, like we need to get one of those running backs. We failed in two straight drafts to get one of those guys. And, like, look, again, I love Raekwon Davis and Javon Holland as two of the freaking cornerstones of this franchise. So I'm happy that they're Miami Dolphins. I think this year has to be the year. Like, you know, you have to go get the Isaiah Spiller, the Brees Hall. You have to get one of those guys of the top running backs in this draft class this year. Or you got to go out there and, and find one in in the yeah. market because I I you know we we talked about Taron Armstead right like you you brought this up I think on Twitter today you could go out there and trade a second round pick probably and get Taylor Deck dude I think who would be- I yeah I think that money allocated last year for Will Fuller and last offseason I should say the one that just passed I think they were actually thought they were going to get Aaron Jones. I yeah, thought they were thought God. they were going to get their guy, and then, but yeah, Taylor Decker. I said to someone today, man, I would start with a third and a and a conditional fifth that turns into a seventh based on um, either um, playing performance or playing time. Yeah, start from there. Yeah, and I mean, if you work up and you got to give up a second, I don't think you got to give up a first for Taylor Decker. And no, he's no, not played over everything to. we have right now, and then you don't have to spend all that money on Armstead, and you can focus on trying to shore up uh, either a right tackle or a center in or a guard in or two of the three in free agency, so you're not as stressed come draft day, and you can be more, you know, you can you can you can be more loose with your picks in terms of I could take a running back here because. I took, I, I signed a guard or I signed center, so I don't need Linderbaum. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I think that the, the key for the Miami Dolphins, and you know, we don't want to make this about the offseason, but like you have to go out and get an established veteran, Decker or Armstead. They're yeah. two names that jumped to my head and draft another person in the first round. Add those people to Robert Hunt, Liam Eichenberg, 
and Liam Eikenberg and you know Michael Dieter and and you 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 know it's not going to be like the Dallas Cowboys with Larry Allen and, and Eric Williams, but you know you're you're heading in the right direction because right now I see one maybe two competent players on the line. If you make that three or four, like you know you don't need to have five all pros. You can have a guy who's kind of the weak link. You know the problem with us is it's like a weak link next to a weak link, and and we have no chance. And the mental aptitude of of the young players with poor coaching, um, it, it, it's obvious. So yeah, man, it's gonna be honestly like you said they got they got a bank roll to spend. But you know, hey, we're nine days away from Tua returning to this football team. We got to stomach Thank one God. more week of Jacoby Brissett. I can't wait for Tua to come back. You know, win, lose, or draw. That's our quarterback right now. That's the guy I'm pulling for. I want that guy to prove me wrong right now where I stand that I think that he might not be the quarterback next year. I want him to prove everybody wrong. And if there's a guy that can do it in this league, it's a guy that his first freaking uh, game he ever played was a national stage, win a national title. The guy who's overcome these injuries, you know, he's a guy that I don't understand why the world doesn't root for Tua Tungavaloa, how he has haters. I don't know how a guy like that has anybody who doesn't like him, but man, I cannot wait for nine days because we're going to beat the Jacksonville Jags. There's no doubt in my mind, we're going to take it to them. And I can't wait because I actually think Tua is going to have his best game as a pro in nine days. So, hey, let's fight hard against Tampa. Maybe they shock the world. You know, probably not. I see them dropping to one and four. But, hey, we got our, we got our quarterback coming back um, in, in nine days. And we'll be ready to rock and roll on the 930 London game. Like, man, I'm, I'm pretty excited for that game. I got to be honest. Yeah. All right, guys. So, hopefully um... – well, either or, win or loss, we'll be in a better mood next week heading into the return of Tua Valoa. But, guys, until next time, thank you for diving fin too deep with myself and Neil. Stay happy, healthy, safe, and blessed. And, guys, we will see you right back here when we dive again fin too deep. Have a good weekend and enjoy.